0: But if you have difficulty with the idea that the Virgin Mary could get pregnant without a man involved, there are a number of ways to explain why in Luke it is written that way. Some scholars think that there's another issue, that Jesus was illegitimate and the story was a cover-up.
1: That Jesus was born of a virgin is confirmed by both Matthew and Luke. In his gospel, Matthew writes that this miracle was a fulfillment of Isaiah 7.14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. In Matthew chapter 1, when he quotes this verse, what he draws out of it is not the virginity of the mother, although that's true, but the god with usness of the Son. Because after Matthew quotes Isaiah 7.14, his comment is, which being translated means, God with us. What he wants us to draw out of Isaiah 7.14 is the meaning of Emmanuel, primarily, not the virginity of the mother, although that was true. The name Emmanuel in Hebrew means literally, God with us. In other words, God himself was to become incarnate in human form. And the miraculous sign would be that he would be born of a virgin. Now some have said that the word virgin in Hebrew can simply mean a maiden or an unmarried woman. The problem with this speculation is the context of Isaiah's prophecy. A sign in the Hebrew language is simply another way of translating the word miracle. And the exclamation, behold, means to look with wonder. Both Isaiah and the gospel writers meant to say that the Messiah would be born of a virgin and the witnesses would look in wonder at the event. Peter Jennings is right about one thing. There is no physical evidence left to us today, other than the Scriptures, to determine the miracle of the Incarnation. But not only is the virgin birth called into question, but also the place and circumstances of Jesus' birth as prophesied in the Scriptures. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, In the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. According to prophecy given hundreds of years before Jesus came into the world, not only would he be born of a virgin, he would also be born in the city of David, his forefather, in Bethlehem. Of course, Peter Jennings disagrees.
0: Luke writes that Joseph and Mary came here to Bethlehem from Nazareth because the Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus had ordered a worldwide taxation. Now there is no record outside the Gospels that the Emperor Caesar Augustus ordered such a tax. Roman tax records do show that a man is to be taxed where he lives and where he works and Joseph lived and worked in Nazareth. Tax records also show they didn't count women. And so why would Joseph have brought Mary on this very difficult journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem through the desert, especially when she was very pregnant?
1: But let's look at what the Gospel of Luke actually says. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. Some translations have the word "taxed" for the Greek word Apographe, a word that comes from the Greek verb meaning to enroll or to register. What Luke actually wrote is not that Joseph came to Bethlehem to be taxed, but that he came to register in a census. In the ancient world, a census was often used to assess the amount of able-bodied males eligible for military service. According to ancient historians, this census was for a renewal of loyalty in the form of an oath of allegiance to Caesar Augustus. In order for the oath to be taken, all adult men had to be registered and actually sign their names to the oath of allegiance. Josephus states, the whole Jewish nation took an oath to be faithful to Caesar and to the interests of the king, Herod. He adds that, above 6,000 Pharisees refused to swear. Based on Josephus' writings, this oath was sworn in the year 3 B.C. This was the census for the taking of the oath to which Luke refers. The actual census may have been conducted one year before, in 4 B.C., which is in accord with the most reliable dates for the time of Christ's birth and stay in Bethlehem. Furthermore, the fact that Josephus knew the number of Pharisees who did not take the oath indicates that some sort of record was made of who did and did not. This too seems to prove that a registration or census took place. Other ancient historians note that the census took place in other parts of the known Roman world as well. An inscription was found in Paphlagonia a region in north central Asia Minor, dated to three BC, stating that an oath of obedience was taken by the inhabitants of Paphlagonia and the Roman businessmen dwelling among them. The Armenian historian, Moses of Chorene stated that the native sources he had available showed that in the year of Abgar, king of Armenia in three BC, a census brought Roman agents to Armenia, bringing the image of Augustus Caesar which they set up in every temple. So it's even more amazing that Peter Jennings would sweep aside this evidence only to tell his viewers.
0: Now there is no record outside the gospels that the Emperor Caesar Augustus ordered such attacks.
2: You know, an example of their kind of scholarship is their questioning of Matthew chapter two, verses 16 through 18. says, Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its environs from two years old and under, according to the time which he had ascertained from the Magi. Then that which was spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. Now, these scholars say there is no way that that happened. This is the only record that we have of a massacre of children in Bethlehem. And and yet they're not playing fair. Uh, Number one, it's an argument from silence, which does not prove a thing. But secondly, they have uh, many uh, historical events that they say absolutely did happen that only have one record. And ironically, there's one that's very similar to this one here. According to Julius Marathus, who is a personal confidant of Augustus Caesar, he said that the Senate ordered the killing of all of the babies that were born in 63 B.C. because of some supposed revelations that a king was going to be born, a king of the Romans. And historians accept this massacre, and yet there's only one account of this massacre. And so, we've got to question where their motives are coming from. It's not based on historical evidence. It's not based on uh, the fact that the Bible's been proven to be wrong over and over. It has not. In fact, archaeologists over and over again look to the Bible to uh, figure out where do we dig, you know, in the Middle East, because uh, these archaeologists have found over and over again the Bible to be a totally, totally reliable document. So there is more to this story than meets the eye. I think a lot of times people are driven by presuppositions that are hostile to the Bible, not an honest, fair examination of the evidence.
1: For a fascinating look at the historical reliability of the Gospel's nativity accounts, we recommend Ernest L. Martin's book, The Star That Astonished the World. In order for Jesus to claim to be the Messiah, the Son of God, He would have to be born of a virgin in Bethlehem in accordance to specific Old Testament prophecies. And this brings us to the next claim of the higher critics.